You are listening to The Derek Diamond Experience. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 78 of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of October 29th, 2015. That's right, we are just 48 hours away from Halloween. I know a lot of people love Halloween. I love it, too. It's just, to me, it's a great reason to dress up in a cool costume and eat tons of candy. Or you can go to a haunted house if that's your thing. But coming up on today's show you'll be hearing a conversation that I've wanted to have for quite a while now. It's with Mark Robertson, who is the co-founder and a brewer at the Pensacola Bay Brewery. And that is located in downtown Pensacola in the historic district right across from the bay. And the reason why I've been wanting to do this interview is I've been a huge fan of the brewery for about two and a half years now. I first learned about it in the summer of 2013 when I started working for the Blue Wahoos. And we had a game that got rained out. And this was before I lived in town. So I was like, well, I don't really feel like going home yet because I had an hour drive ahead of me. So I remembered a friend of mine telling me about this brewery. I went to it. It's not that far from the stadium. And as soon as I walked in, I just fell in love with the place. It's got a very chill atmosphere. They've got barrels for tables. They've got stools. There's about five or six of these barrels in the tap room. And then, of course, you have the bar that can seat right around 10 people, I think. But since then, I've just loved the place, loved the atmosphere. The people who work there are really, really nice. And I've always wondered about the craft brewing business. What exactly went into it? How do you get into it? You know, what are the struggles? What are the highlights, how do you exactly make beer? Because I I had no idea how this beer was made until I did this interview. And it was a very informative interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you've never been to the brewery, if you live in Pensacola or you're just visiting, you definitely need to go. They make great stuff. And I'm not just saying that because of this interview. Like I said, I've been a fan of the brewery for years, and I can't say enough good things about it. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview, and we're going to get to it in just a second. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out Atomics, the brand new EP from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, featuring the vocals of Joey Trincali. It has three new tracks, including their single, Tomorrow's Plan, which is also the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. This EP is unlike anything the Unicorn Wranglers have done before. So support local music by checking out Atomics, which is available now on iTunes and Spotify. And it's only available for $2.97. I mean, come on, people. It's $2.97. That's cheaper than a Princess Leia wig. A Princess Leia wig is 3 bucks, And you're going to use that, what, once a year? Well, probably twice since the new Star Wars movie is coming out, but that's a completely different story. A Compass costs $3. That's more expensive than Atomics. And you know what the Compass is going to do anyway? It's going to point right to your computer and tell you that you need to buy Atomics. So skip the steps and just go on iTunes or Spotify and buy Atomics for only $2.97. And you can also keep up with the Unicorn Wranglers on social media. Like them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter and Instagram 
at U Wranglers. And finally, don't forget to visit their website, theunicornwranglers.com. Back here in the Pensacola Bay Brewery in downtown Pensacola with my very special guest this week, co-founder and brewmaster, Mr. Mark Robertson. Mark, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing today, Derek? Very good. Very good. Uh, I wanted to start off by asking, what was it that initially sparked your interest in like just beer in general or you know, wanting to get into the, the craft brewing business? Well, I've drank beer all my life, well, since I was legal. <laughs> And uh, I went to Europe when I was a kid and drank English beers as, as we lived over there for a couple of years. And then I went back to Europe in the mid 80s and drank beer again and uh, found a new love for it then and, and came back to America. And it really wasn't anything where I lived in Mississippi. So uh, on a vacation to Milwaukee with my family, uh, my wife's from that area. I learned there was homebrew stores and you could buy homebrewing equipment and brew your own beer. So that's how I got started. What was it that, like, why did you live overseas? Were you like a military family? My dad was in the military and my senior year in high school, we moved to England, which I hated because I left all my friends back from other school. But once I got over there, I immersed myself in the culture, had a good time. And over there, you could walk into a pub uh, underage and get uh, served, so we drank a lot of beer. <laughs> Where are you originally from? My dad was military, I was born in Oklahoma. Okay. So I lived there for a couple of years and then we moved around the country, so I lived in a lot of places. Yeah, I, I can imagine so. I've had some friends that are military family and they've been to so many places. I've never, I've never been to England, but I've heard so many good stories about it and hopefully you know, one day I'll be able to go, but I've never been overseas or anything, but heard a lot of good stories. It's a lot of fun. Living in, uh, living in England, um, you, you mentioned, you know, finding your home, uh, on a home brewing, uh, equipment. Um, what was it that made you like, did you move here and then decide to do, uh, the brewing business? Well, the brewing business, uh, came up at a homebrew club meeting and I was getting, I was within five years of being able to retire actually three and a half years within being able to retire and I wanted something to do in retirement other than play golf and go fishing and go to the beach and it's just you can't do that so much but right I needed a place to go every day I couldn't see myself sitting at home so uh, the opportunity availed itself and I jumped in and did you found Pensacola Bay Brewery by yourself or was did someone else uh there was another guy in the brew club we, we got together with, and uh, we put our money in the table, and then we pulled in another partner, and that's where it started. Now, was uh, th- this building, like, one thing I really like about this place is the location. It's in downtown area in the historic district. Was this building here, was it used before, before it became the brewery? Yeah, we were, we were in the process of looking for a building. We had already brought the already bought the brewing equipment, and uh, a friend of ours was a runner, he was out running and talking about the opportunities, the business opportunity, and, he, and this, this, this guy said, you gotta go look at this building. So that afternoon, we showed up and looked at the building, and it was completely gutted. Uh, right prior to Ivan, a restaurant group from New York uh, came down and bought a, got a lease for the building from the West, West Florida Historic, UWF Historic Trust, it's changed names a few times. Uh, <clears throat> and they were going to make a, a restaurant here, and then Ivan scared them back to New York. 
So the building sat vacant for about five years, and then we saw it, it was completely empty, and we looked, well, that's a big building, we could put a brewery in it. Well, it's not so big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when I first, uh, first got here, I actually went in the back where you know, everything is brewed, and that's a lot of big equipment back there. Yeah, it seems big, but um, once you visit some other breweries, larger breweries, then you'll look and, and see how small our stuff really is. But uh, from a scale of never seen one before, I can imagine your, your impression. Yeah. Now, what exactly is the process of, of making beer? Like, I've heard snippets of how you make it, but like, describe the process of like, how beer is made for those that may not know. Okay. Uh, a lot of people think there's some kind of myth of magic going on in a brewery, but a brewer really is nothing more than a sugar water creator. So we make something known as wort, W-O-R-T, which is a sugar water or unfermented beer, and we do that by taking malted barley from a maltster, which is a whole other process unto its own, uh, which is basically they take the grains out of the field, they bring them almost to germination, start a plant, and then they stop it by kiln drying it, so it has the most starch available at that point. We take that product, and we crush it in a mill, and then we, we put it in a, a device known as a grist hydrator. And then on brew day, we heat up water to a specific temperature, and then we mash the grain in with water, kind of like mixing oatmeal at home with uh, boiling water in a spoon right. in, your, in a bowl. And that process of, of mixing hot water with the grain, mashing, um, Create, uh, causes enzymes and other things to happen with the malted barley and the hot water to start the process of sacrification, which is turning starches to sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many people remember that word unless they're in you know microbiology or something and they, they've studied that specific process. But all we do is get the grain to a certain temperature and the enzymes take over and the starches turn to sugars. Now, once the starches turn to sugars in that grain mass, imagine a, a bowl of oatmeal and trying to rinse sugar water out of that. Well, we do something similar to that. We take the, the grain mass and we move it over to a, a vessel called a lauderton, which is a rinsing vessel. And there we run water through the grain mass and extract the sugar water from it. And once we extract the sugar water from the grain mass, we bring it to a boil so we can uh, boil off or or condense proteins that we don't want to take into the beer in the in the boil kettle and during the boil we also add our hops which balances the sweetness of the malt sugar uh, if we were to make a beer without hops it'd be a, kind of a sickly sweet beverage that would get you a buzz some people may like it but you really got to have something to counteract the sweetness to make the beer palatable so that's what hops are used for and some beers have way more hops than others as ipas do obviously right now, what exactly is a hop? Like, I, I, I enjoy IPAs, but I've never known exactly what a hop is. So. A hop's another, it's a plant, and it's grown in certain regions where the climate is just right. Mostly in America, it's in the Yakima Valley and the Willamette Valley, which is in Oregon and Washington. Mm-hmm. Each one of them has a unique climate and has the right amount of grow time for that plant. Uh, hop plants grow as high as 30 feet and can produce, I don't know how many pounds per vine um, that, that they usually harvest right right now they're harvesting um, for the for next year's brew, brew cycle mm-hmm. um, anyway it's a plant that it, there's some guys trying to grow them down here in Florida but it's it's a plant that has um, bittering 
qualities. It also has uh, floral qualities and a lot of IPAs, especially if you smell the nose on them, you'll get some florals, citrus notes, all these things. They're doing crazy things with hops. Uh, the hops, um, the creators of hops, I'm not sure how they manipulate the DNA to create flavors, but they're creating coconut, mango, watermelon. They're doing crazy things and all those are becoming available to us and they give us the ability to do uh, almost any flavor in a beer without having to add coconut or right. mango. That's, that's crazy to think about. Now, going back to when you said you lived in England and you had a lot of English beer, when you decided to start this brewery business, did you think back to like the types of beers you drank then and you're like, oh, these are the kind of beers that I want to make? Or like when you initially started making beer, did you have like a specific idea in mind for what you wanted? Well, I'm a big fan of German beers, Pilsners, uh, Kolsch, uh, Alt, not so much Hefeweizens. Uh, I like Berliner Weiss. Um, and then I like English styles, like uh, English regular English IPA, English extra special bitter, English bitters, porters, stouts. All those beers appeal to me. Uh, I, I do like Belgian beers and French beers and some of the other things going on. But right now in America, uh, we're pushing the envelope on beers. Uh, we t- we've American brewers have taken traditional styles and just run with them and created just a cornucopia of of flavors and, and new styles and I mean every time you turn around there's something new coming out like black IPA, white IPA, mm-hmm. Belgian IPA. I mean it's crazy. It's it's a good time to have beer and it's a good time to be in beer. Yeah, it's I funny you mentioned that. The other day I saw in uh uh Blue Moon has a white IPA. And you know it's it's, it's pretty good as a different type of IPA, but it, it's it's pretty good. Um what are some of the best sellers that you have here, like best-selling beers? Our, our number one selling beers are Riptide Amber, which is mm-hmm. American Amber Ale. It's a very approachable beer by everybody. Uh, so it, it sells three to one to everything else we sell. And then right behind that's our IPA. And then our new pale ale, Treasure Grove, mm-hmm. which is a citrusy pale ale that we came up with. And then our porter follows that beer. And then the rest of them just kind of hang on. <laughs> What's your favorite beer that you make here? I don't take a side with my beers. <laughs> Smart decision. Uh, it's whichever one I'm holding in my hand at the time. Uh, That's so, a good answer. Well, it's my way of uh, not endorsing anything specific. Right. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. And I, I've, I've told so many people this, but my all-time favorite beer, like not just here but anywhere, is the Vanilla Pumpkin Porter. I had it, I think it was two years ago when I first started coming here, and since then it's been my all-time favorite. It's, uh, I, I don't know what it is, like I've never really had anything pumpkin-like before then, but I guess it, it has that right balance of the vanilla and pumpkin flavor. They don't you know, overlap each other, and it just has a really smooth taste. Well, that beer is basically our, our regular porter, with uh, about a pound of pumpkin per barrel. And the pumpkin is a hard flavor to discern unless you are in touch with squash and those type of flavor profiles because pumpkin doesn't taste like pumpkin pie. It tastes tastes like squash. 
And then we, we do vanilla and nutmeg instead of pumpkin pie spices in our beer because we don't want a beer to taste like pumpkin pie. We just want a, a beer that's our own unique product. So we use a blend of three different vanillas, and then we this year we, we use some fresh grated nutmeg in it, which gives the, bike, uh, the beer a little spicy bite to it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the vanilla comes in. As the beer warms up, all kind of flavors come out, chocolate, Chocolate and vanilla work together. They make a really like milk chocolate flavor in the beer. And uh, it all depends on a person's palate, what they can discern from it. Right. What's the most difficult part about being in the beer business? I think the most difficult part for us in the, in the brewery, in the back room, not the, not the tap room, where our, which is our public piece, is, is the forecasting of your hops and your malts that you're going to need for the next year based on predictions. So it's, it's kind of, that, that to me is the most difficult piece for us because you have to predict three or four years in advance to get contracts. Mm-hmm. If you don't get contracts now, you're not getting hops. You're not going to be able to brew certain styles of beer. So we have to think almost two years out on planning a new product. A lot of planning ahead. For that part of it, and then the other part is is just you know it's a seven day a week operation, so you have to be around here a lot. Yeah, how like how early do you guys start in the day to just get ready for a typical day here at the brewery? My guys have flex flex schedule. They can they can start at two in the morning if they want, or they can start at eight o'clock in the morning if they're if they're on the brew stand. So it's up to them. Uh, we don't really have a set piece for the day. Um, we have a set amount of work to be done for the day. So if you want to start at nine, you're going to be here till six. If you want to start at six, you'll be here till four. Uh, we, we have 10 hours with a work scheduled and however you want to get it done, you get it done. <laughs> well, that's good though, that you get to kind of pick how early or late. I, I, like, I like my guys to have that flexibility. I think it makes the work environment a little more enjoyable. Yeah. That they have the ability to say, well, I have an appointment at eight o'clock. I won't be until nine. Well, we, we can deal with that because we're not on a rigid time schedule. We're on a seven-day-a-week time schedule. Things have to happen on a certain day, and if they have to be here till 9 o'clock to make them happen, that's what happens. Now, I would assume that Fridays and Saturdays are the busiest days of the week. Fridays and Saturdays are the busiest day for our tap room, which is our public piece in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our typical week here is Monday. We prep up for brewing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, if we're doing a packaging that week, Thursday is packaging day, so we dedicate the whole day to that. So we'll compress the week even farther back towards Monday. And then uh, Fridays usually uh, package off the draft product for distribution on Monday. And then Saturday and Sunday are just uh, like skeleton watch, and I usually take those. We, we do temperature controls on the tanks and make sure all the systems are running, monitor the fermentation of the product, but really don't touch anything, just kind of support the front and do some paperwork and things as such. I gotcha. Uh, something else I wanted to ask uh, about the one thing that I love about this place is the look of the tap room. I mean, we're, we're sitting at a table that has a barrel for a base and you've got stools did you have a hand in picking what the place looked like or was that another we, group of people we my partners and i sat down and, and discussed first first we had to pick a theme for the brewery so we hired a uh, uh, a, 
creative media firm. I, I can't think of what I'm, the term for the company, but anyway, we, we threw some ideas at the wall and they came back with three stories for the brewery. Well, because we're on Pensacola Bay and Pensacola has a rich maritime uh, history, we chose a maritime theme. So the maritime theme kind of came into the front room design, the, the poles wrapped in rope, the rope going around the room, you know, the pictures, the, the you know, basic decor, mm -hmm. sort of maritime-ish. Right. Uh, so that's where all these things came from. And, and turning a barrel into a table is probably cheaper than buying a table. So that seemed like a good concept, and they look kind of cool. Yeah, that, that's when I first walked in here, I think it was the summer of 2013. Like, I, I, I work at the Blue Wahoos, and our game had gotten rained out, so I got to leave early. And I had heard about this place, so I'm like, well, I have nothing else to do, so I'll see what it's about. And I walked in, and I'm like, wow, this place is really cool with the, you know, with the theme, with the barrels, and just the chill environment and everything. And it, it's a really welcoming atmosphere, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know, I keep coming back. So the, like the employees here do a great job of, of doing that. Our front room folks are very good at presenting the beers to customers and, and answering questions to customers. Um, that's, that's, that's the whole goal of the tap room is to um, stage our beers and, and, and present our beers to the public. Uh, uh, it, it also is a local bar obviously for the neighborhood but uh, our main focus is on the, the beer traveler the first time customer because that's first impressions are a very big thing with mm -hmm. anything you never get a second chance at a first impression no you don't and and we try to put on a happy face seven days a week and you guys do a, a really good job of that uh, do you guys do any type of uh like tours or events that you might have we do tours every Saturday at 3.30 unless there's a big festival going on where, where we're really busy and we can't focus on that. So pretty much, I would say 40-some weeks out of the year, we have a tour on Saturday at 3.30. If there's a special group like a business class at UWF or PSC or um, microbiology or whatever, we can arrange a special tour for that group of folks because they're, they're doing it as part of their business or team building or whatever so we will do special tours but i try to keep those to a minimum because our brewery area is so small and if there's any action going on back there i can't hazard uh, the customers right you had mentioned earlier about golf and i've got to ask you this before we wrap up the interview but what do you like to do in your downtime when you're not at the brewery well <clears throat> i really like paddle boarding because uh, you're out on the water um, I like to cycle a little bit, which is taking a back seat to this because this is time consuming. Um, the beach, I play a little bit of golf. I'm not serious about it. I just never could get good at it, so I don't have a real love for the sport. But it's a good way to go out with three friends and drink some beers and talk to each other for the afternoon. But as far as chilling, it's mostly talking to people about beer. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> work can never escape you, huh? No, people like beer and people want to know about beer. So I think it's our, uh, it's in my best interest and our brewery's best interest to engage everybody as much as possible. In closing, I wanted to ask if some random person walks in and says, you know, what advice can you give me to get into the brewing business? What advice would you give them? I would say. Make sure you're well-funded 
and buy a piece of property, either existing or new, that has the capability of expansion so you don't have to go through what we're going to go through, which is find another place to build a production facility. Um, so look, look farther ahead than right in front of you uh, if you're serious about it. And, and, and I'll reinstate, be well capitalized um, so you can make it through your first year without any issues. Putting yourself in any type of bad financial situation. Yes. You, you get, you, you get in, if you get in a, and, and we luckily have never had this issue, if you get into some credit issues with your suppliers, especially your grain and hop suppliers, you can't make beer. So um, that's my advice. Be well capitalized so you can get through your first you know, 12 months. Perfect. Well, Mark, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview. And I, I, I've always, you know, wondered how beer was made and like the behind the scenes operations of this. So thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks, Derek. My thanks again to Mark Robertson for that fantastic interview. I know I learned a lot about the craft brewing business. Most of that stuff I didn't know until you just heard it in that interview, and it was just great. Uh, be sure to go to the Pensacola Bay Brewery if you live in the Pensacola area or if you're visiting. They've got great beer, great customer service. It's a great atmosphere, very chill, very relaxed. It just go. Do yourself a favor and go. You won't regret it. Next week, We'll be returning to the world of literature with independent author Annie Keating, so you'll definitely want to check out that episode. And don't forget, you can check out past episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, as well as the website ddepodcast.com. And coming soon, we will have a new look to the Derek Diamond Experience website, which I just mentioned. And because of that, you'll be able to download all episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience on iTunes and Stitcher. I know that there's been some issues with WordPress and only being able to download the most recent 50. So starting possibly as soon as next week, but more than likely the week after, you'll be able to download all the episodes on your smartphone. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Like me on Facebook, just search for the Derek Diamond Experience. And I'm also on Twitter at DDE underscore podcast. But that's all I've got, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun Halloween weekend. Definitely stay safe out there. There's a lot of crazy people. Thank you once again for tuning in to another fantastic episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. Thursday.